0: Hello, my friend. Welcome to the Business Leadership Today podcast. I'm your host, Matt Tenney. In this podcast, we sit down with successful founders, CEOs, and other senior leaders and ask them about the most important problem they've solved so both you and I can learn innovative, proven approaches to solving the most important problems in business today. My guest today is Devin Klein, the founder and CEO of Burn Bootcamp, a health and fitness franchise with over 350 locations that aims to ignite global health transformation by empowering women to maximize the quality of their lives. In this episode, Devin is going to share his insights on how to scale an organization when you think you've plateaued and you can't scale anymore. I hope you are as excited as I am about learning from Devin. Uh, Devin, thanks so much for taking the time to be here with me today on Business Leadership Today.
1: Yeah, Matt. Yeah, definitely. No, thank you for that introduction. You nailed it, dude. It's perfect.
0: Oh, great. Well, (laughs) Sure, there's some room for improvement, but I appreciate your enthusiasm. Thanks, Devin. <laughs> so hey, if you can kick us off, um, you know, I, I know a little bit about your organization and I'm very impressed with with what I know so far, but I'd love to kind of hear like the origin story, you know, and I'm sure listeners would as well. If you could talk us through how how did you come to to found and for a long time serve as the CEO of Burn Boot Camp?
1: Yes, my wife and I founded Burn Boot Camp in 2012. After uh, I got fired, if you will, a, be- a better term might be released from the San Francisco Giants and Morgan uh, she was uh, climbing up the corporate ladder at Kellogg's. And so you know she gets an opportunity to come to Charlotte. We were in Naples, Florida at the time after I got released from my uh, from my contract. and we fly up to Charlotte and we love it and so we choose Charlotte. Charlotte's our destiny. and uh, I'm gonna open up a gym but nobody's going to give me a lease because baseball players don't make any money and I'm <laughs> a kid and I don't have any financial backing. I don't come from money. Morgan doesn't either. And so uh, we sublease and opened up gyms in a parking lot. And that's how we started Morgan and I in 2012. Uh, we did five in North Charlotte, uh, but that isn't where our relationship started. It actually started when we were 12 years old in Battle Creek, Michigan, which is a uh, serial city. We're proud of our hometown. We now have a, a gym back there actually. Oh, and, cool. uh, you know, that's the company Morgan worked for, Kellogg's, which was founded in in Battle Creek, Michigan, aka Serial City. And so yeah, we uh we met when we were twelve, and who would have known that you know we were destined to, you know, fit like hand in glove in terms of being entrepreneurs together and being being husband and wife. Yeah, that's
0: uh that doesn't happen very often. It's cool when it does. So I imagine it's been uh quite a ride. You went from subleasing, opening gyms and parking lots. To yeah. now you've got 350 locations. Um, and I, I just have to think probably the wildest part was for those uh listening here, and this is being recorded in 2023. The COVID pandemic is probably not too far uh back in our memory banks. And I'm just thinking, holy cow, you've you run gyms where people go to train in person. That probably didn't go very well during the COVID pandemic, right?
1: No, it didn't, and somehow. Somehow, one of the things that I believe every human being should do is, you know, have some type of demanding training regimen in their life that demands more out of them than they can demand out of themselves. Like what that does for us as human beings is just fundamental. It's universal. I think that's why burn has grown. But when you strip that away, you know, and you can have this community, we had to go basically, basically shut down all 275 gyms at the time. This is in 2020 in March and you know it takes 8 months before we get all of them back open you know the curve was supposed to flatten and all those good things well we don't dwell here at burn brands and burn bootcamp mm-hmm. like we have a championship mindset and what we do is we make our worst day our best day and so we instead of instead of dwelling because we weren't we weren't able to sell new units no nobody's buying right. the capital markets are all drying up like immediately nobody knows what's going to go on you know, it's all uncertain, right? The whole thing. And uh, so what we knew what we could do is control what we can control. That's the only certainty we had. We can control our attitude. We can control our effort. We can control what we believed in. And what we believed in was that this time happened for a reason. We we believe that. We believe that we were stuck in this pandemic trap where gyms and bars somehow get linked together as the best thing and the worst thing a human being can do for themselves. (laughs) You know, it's like, it's like, all chaos is broken loose in our industry what can we control go rebuild the engine right mm-hmm. we're we're at, we're at 275 gyms we have hundreds in the pipeline like our unit economics are good but they were not world class yet you know we had an opportunity to grow uh each individual location's annual unit volume and so we did we went we went to work um my our team put their heads down during that whole time none of us gave up for air very much at all. And we built uh, the burn operating system is now the operating infrastructure that our entire system, uh, this would be, you know, a few hundred, a couple hundred uh, franchise partners, you know, 80 of us here at HQ, we have company owned gyms that are a part of that, a part of uh, makeup as well. And all of our franchise partners and their teams now have this common language because we all have the common mission, but it's like, the common vision didn't match the engine that was, you know, we needed to be, have a rocket ship to mm. do what I wanted to do, which was build 10,000 locations in the, in the, in the world. And then the only place, you know, metaphorically speaking to develop would be the moon, right? We need a <laughs> rocket ship to get there. Right. And so we looked around and said, Hey, we don't have a rocket engine. And so we took our time and, um, it really paid off. And, you know, uh, the the entire team, made it made us closer. You know, championship teams, when adversity hits, we either get closer together, the championship teams get closer together, and, and those that just aren't going to make it, they're just not going to make the cut, not going to make the playoffs, they'll spread apart when adversity hits. And so um, what I learned a lot during the pandemic, number one is that you can control your outcomes, you can control what you work on. Number two is that you can test your culture, right? You can test the people that are with you. And, uh, you know, those are important lessons.
0: Absolutely. Now, surprisingly though, as I got to ch- chat with you a little bit here before we, before we started the the podcast episode, that was not the most important problem you solved. So this is kind of, this is kind of cool to me. So, I mean, it's it, to me, uh, how do you survive when your revenue goes from whatever it is to zero and stays that way for eight months? Um, That's a pretty important problem to solve, which many, many business owners had to solve a few years ago. But you ran up against an even bigger problem as you're coming out of the pandemic and you're trying to reach this vision. So can you tell me more about that? Like, you know, what was the problem that you that you ran against?
1: Yeah, the problem I ran against is called self awareness. And (laughs) it's that moment in time when you realize that you're in your own way you know, it's, uh, I think an ultimate peak form of humility. And that's something I wasn't born and raised with. That's not an environment that I was around. You know, I come from a background, um, you know, poverty stricken, my father in and out of jail and out of prison. My uncle's the same way, <clears throat> really fending for myself, you know, on food stamps and welfare, you know, just, uh, since I was, you know, a young boy, like 12 years old, I mean, I, I loved having money, and I loved working for money. I didn't know what the word entrepreneur meant, but I did, in retrospect, create my first uh, snow shoveling franchise when I was twelve or thirteen years old, knocking on doors. You know, twenty minute snow removal. I'd have my buddies uh-huh. come behind with snow shovels, and we'd flip driveways in twenty minutes. Split, split it three ways. You know, I had that need. You know, that hunger kind of built in, that pain built in in the way. You know that I grew up, and so. We took that mindset and we take that mindset, the entrepreneurial mindset into the business. And what we realized is at a certain point, we needed professional management. I realized this about three years before we did it, but the pandemic made it crystal clear to me that I needed professional management in place. I'm an entrepreneur. That's what I know. That's my environment created, I think, a lot of that DNA, a lot of that, um, attitude toward wanting to be a fire starter, but not necessarily a good fire keeper. And I was the CEO. And what happens with the CEO title is you have to be methodical, chronological, thorough, detailed. Um, You have to have great accountability, follow-up management skills, all of these things that I think that I'm okay at, but I'm not at the level that my company needs me to be at. I don't want to focus on my own weaknesses and try to turn those into strengths. You know, being well-rounded has a certain place in the world, but at the end of the day, it's those people that make a skill that they have, a strength that they have, that they make that in essence look like magic to other people. Like, you know, kind of like, how the hell do you do that so well? You know, like the all around Elon Musk, like, how does this guy do these things so well? And so I think every great entrepreneur has a little bit of that sense to them. And uh, what we needed to do was to hire a CEO. And thankfully,
0: so you were, things, so you, so you realized you, it, it became, you knew this before the pandemic, right? You could see signs yeah. that, yeah, that what was keeping you from realizing your vision and scaling as fast as you wanted to was you. You know, you, yeah. you had certain strengths that were really, Important, but you had others that were limiting the organization from scaling, right? So you started to see signs about this before the pandemic, right? What what were some of the signs that were starting to tip you off that? The the reason you weren't growing as fast as you wanted to was was because you were getting in the way. This
1: is super easy, and it's you nailed it. You you must have been somewhere in this realm before. Like I think a lot of people have. (laughs) Well, what we had at the top of our organization was a CEO and a COO, and it's also Devin and Morgan Klein, right, who are also married and who also fundamentally share half the responsibility for the organization. And so, what happened was we have a support matrix in our organization, meaning. That the left side of the org chart, is, uh, the VPs uh, are charged with the P&Ls of the revenue streams in the products. And then the other side, the right side of the org chart are uh, the support side, right? And support is, you know, cross-laterally focused, uh, you know, on each one of those different revenue streams to support it, support the entire business as a whole. Okay. So now you've got 11 VPs and 11 VPs are both coming to mom and dad and being like, dude, we've got to do this and that. And we're making decisions up here. We're not talking to each other, right? Morgan Mm -hmm. and Devin are not talking to each other. We are just making decisions, you know, because we got to go fast, right? So we got to push that responsibility down. We've got to spread that responsibility across the organization. We call it a cascading message. And what happens is now that there's six layers in the organization, we push those cascading messages down. Our, our VPs do the uh, their job and, and then our directors and our man, people managers do their job and everybody gets the message. But all of a sudden, the message For half the organization is Devon's and half the organization is Morgan's. Hmm. And we waste twice the amount of time because now when there's disagreement um, on the front lines of the organization, that's got to cascade back up and we've got to figure out what to do at the top. And that just takes time. Hmm. And so by Morgan, I picked up a book called, what was it called? Um, Rocket Fuel by Hmm. Gino Wickman, the EOS entrepreneur. Uh, yeah, he does traction and the whole model. Uh, BOS is the burn operating is largely inspired by what they do. And so we realized that we couldn't create an operational infrastructure and in that common language that our common mission needed. So we needed this burn operating system. That's what we spent the pandemic doing. Right. And then we needed a leader of this operating system who could actually integrate it. And that was not me. <laughs> that leader was not me.
0: How do you know? Like, is this just, not your thing, like like the you, implementation of, of hide. High-
1: well, you've got to say, what do you like doing the most, right? Because you can, I, th- I have like a love, like, half must do, nice to do mindset. And I have, I categorize these things as I go through my crazy notebook. And it's like, what A, what can I and only I do? B, what can, what is important, but somebody else can do? C, what's crap that doesn't even need to be there at all that's just getting in the way? You know, and you go and you start to categorize. And what happens is you naturally start to put off the things that you don't necessarily enjoy doing. You'll do it because, you know, you're the entrepreneur and eating dirt is part of the job. And so you just do what it takes to make it happen. But is it serving the business in the best way? Do you have the resources available to bring somebody aboard or put somebody in a position that can serve the business in a better way? Meaning- if it's a if you're not if you realize that you're not a good people manager meaning that you don't like sending them emails 48 hours ahead of a meeting uh with a documented agenda and right. you don't like spending that half an hour super efficient and precise and you don't intrinsically love the joy of seeing somebody you know walk out or the uh walk out like happy or the pain sometimes of like growing yourself in the moment. Cause you have to have lots of hard conversations in that setting. If you don't like those things, you know, you might not be a great manager. You might be a great leader. You might be able to inspire. You might be the entrepreneur. You might be able to walk in and, and rock a mic. And you know, everybody, um, everybody gravitates towards that, but who's the person that's integrating for you or vice versa. If you are the integrator, who's out selling the business, who's out showcasing, who's out communicating the business. And uh, this Rocket Fuel book, I thought was a great model around putting a visionary and an integrator in place. So now no longer do we have co-CEO that get co-decision-making powers. We have CEO, okay, responsible for leadership, management, accountability. And then we have visionary that the CEO rolls to directly. Now here's the unique thing. The visionary has no direct reports, no people to manage, just helping people problem solve, just helping people with strategy, just helping people with direction. These are the things that a visionary should be good at, responsible for the the roadmap, right? Anticipating the future. And, and the CEO integrates all the good ideas, but here's the key. The CEO, Morgan, in this case, she's the tiebreaker. So if we're 50-50 on something and she's like, I don't have the resources to do what you need or do what you want, I respect the plan, I respect the vision, but no, and I don't win the argument. Hey, that's part <laughs> of the game that I signed up to play.
0: Yeah. Now if for the if you're a listener who didn't quite catch this, Morgan is Devin's wife, right? So so you're you're looking for where is this CEO, where's this integrator that's gonna take the vision and integrate it successfully across our organization? How did you figure out that she was the one? So how did you f- I mean, obviously, you know your wife very well, but like, yeah, what what was it? What were the signs that you that just told you, like, well, we don't need to go any further than my wife, Morgan, because she can do this. Well,
1: like I said, I had been manufacturing this for three years. I planted that seed three years beforehand when I first <laughs> realized it, but only with her. And I told her um, that, hey, I envision this for you, like you, I, and you know, here is the trick about this, right, like there's, I couldn't gas her up. Like she's just really talented. There's, there would be, it would be irresponsible of me if, you know, uh, my brother or my best friend or my wife or somebody, cause we're a very family-based organization. I mean, like we can talk about that, but it is like very family-based. I mean, to the point where half our office is like couples and, and uh, and she was just really good at it. I mean, Best problem, best question asker in a, in a conference room, in a business setting I've ever seen in my life. Uh, and, you know, being growing this fast, I've had to sit with a lot of people that can negotiate and uh, just a bulldog when it comes to getting things done and negotiating and standing your ground. And, you know, um, I mean, and obviously caring about the brand, right? It's like it's a perfect, it was the perfect storm of things. And, you know, to add a cherry on top, and this isn't you know, even close to a reason why she was uh, earned the CEO seat. But now to put um, Morgan as a female representing an organization whose membership is 90% female was uh, just the added cherry on top. And our culture was so proud of that. Mm-hmm. And not going to lie, I'm, it's hard for me, it, you know, to be able to give that seat up and have to step back. and And I'd had a couple months there probably where I was just like, you guys don't need me? Am I (laughs) I not useful anymore? Like what's going on? I'm used to like this, you know, know, uh, what I think is a great problem to have as a CEO is a revolving door of people just wanting to strategize with you and you welcoming that and battling. And now Morgan gets that. And it's like, I actually, what I had to do uh, to really honor this change, because as the leaders of a business, don't make a fundamental change in your leadership unless you're committed to it. Right. You've got to be committed from the top down. I don't care if it's a a future state org chart or, you know, whatever the case may be, a brand new process, financial reporting mechanism, just be on the same page. Um, you know, that's that was that's always really important for us. And so, yeah. And so I started uh, really. That working that process three years ago with Morgan and slowly and surely. You know, she just started, she had on her mind and she just started picking things up over time. And by the time she got in, even close to it, she was already walking, already talking, already behaving like the CEO of the business. And um, you know, I oh, I had to stay home. I stayed home rather for about three months just to honor that. That's where I was going with that last point. Sorry, mm-hmm. I lost you. I stayed home for like three months just to honor that. I was in and out of the office, but not because if that didn't change, if I was still here every day. behaviors wouldn't change. And so, yeah. And fast forward, we had our two biggest back-to-back record months in May and June this year. Um, 18.7 million being the biggest one. And Morgan led the way there. And it's uh, really, I'm super proud of her. It's really cool mixed emotions because it's like her business partner, right, wants to be proud of her. her. Husband wants to be proud of her. You know, the father of her children wants to be proud of her. And so just a lot of different hats that we all wear. Um watching her lead the ways is is amazing.
0: And uh growth in terms of locations is has scaled fa- a bit faster. If I'm just doing some back of the napkin math, you had 275 locations pre-pandemic. Now you've got over 350. So you've added another 75, which is I mean, that's you know it's pretty normal to grow fast early on. You know, it's it, it becomes harder when you've already hit a lot of the market you've hit the best markets you know and you're it becomes increasingly difficult to have that if you were doing 50% quarter over quarter growth let's say revenue wise or 50% annually in terms of locations it's not normal for that to just keep going up forever right it, it tends to plateau and, and then decline but it seems like that's some pretty fast growth post pandemic right
1: Yeah, it definitely is. And it is 100 percent. It is because of that. Right. I wouldn't I wouldn't I don't blow smoke. We get to know each other better. You know that I'm I'm a straightforward. It is 100 percent because now when we work on something, everything that we work on matters, everything that we do, that we prioritize, that we. Spend our team, our hardworking, ambitious team, I mean, they are some of the sharpest in our industry and. Um, you know, you put them to work on projects, they go get it done, you know, and under my leadership, we tended to chase one too many shiny things here and there. And I hope, I hope you're, I hope if you're in that position at home that you're willing to feel the pain of what it's like to, uh, kind of let go of that control in your business temporarily, if it's ready. Right. But it's not ever going to be ready unless you at the top, the leader trusts other people. So, you know, I had to say. Who just just for, for the human ego, my perspective wasn't who can do the job as good as I can do the job. OK, I think that's would be unfair for everybody involved, unfair for me and for somebody to come in. It's like what a better perspective is who could come in. And do the job at 85% as good as I could so I could go allocate my time to go do 100% of you know those A things that we talked about, things that only I can do. And so some of us need those little tricks because a trade about entrepreneurs is we are very bullish and stubborn and we like to go in a direction and we don't like to stop. And if anything gets in our way, you know, we tend to run it over, including ourselves, right? Going back to the... How do you how do you scale after your plateau? Self awareness. What do you need what do you need to do as the person that's in charge? Do you need to step out of the way? Do you need what what does the business need? How can you serve the business? Because it can't just be like, you know, you and the business just married at, for life. That's called a job. You've got to build it, build it, build it, build it.
0: Right. Yeah. So- awesome. Well, this has been super helpful. Um, Devin, thank you so much for taking the time to to chat with me and share these insights. I think this is this is going to be helpful for not just people who are founders and and senior leaders, but even managers of teams, you know, like how do you start identifying what's holding your team back um, and delegating things to team members that should be delegated because that's not that's not where you should be focusing your energy. So I think there's gems in here for for everybody. So thank you again for uh, taking the time to chat with me. Yeah,
1: yeah, for sure, man. Thanks for taking the interest. We're uh, we're excited about what we're doing and congrats on everything y'all are doing as well.
0: Thank you. Now, for those yeah. of you who want to uh, learn more about Devin, um, I'm sure he'd be happy to connect with you on LinkedIn. It's Devin Klein, K-L-I-N-E. Um, and if you want to learn more about Burn Bootcamp and uh, whether it's the gym, the organization, franchise opportunities, that's pretty simple. It's just Burn Bootcamp com and I was telling Devin before uh, before we signed on to talk to each other I just loved I love um I guess this is your vision statement right for, for the company which is we envision a world where women love themselves today and are inspired by who they'll be tomorrow I just I think that is so cool and, and what a great vision to, to aspire toward achieving. Uh, For those of you um, who tune in regularly, thank you again for listening. And uh, I would like to send a shout out to Caleb West, who produces the podcast. He does a great job. Thank you, Caleb. And until the next time, I have an opportunity to interact with you in some way and hopefully serve you. I wish you great success uh, building a world-class organization and sustaining one that makes a positive impact both on the, the employees or team members in your organization and on our society as a whole. Bye for now.